to the Wet Bandits podcast. We are in season three, which is soundtracks, but that's the theme. However, this is a long discography we're in the middle of now because we do soundtracks as palate cleansers for our big discography uh, run for various bands. We're in the middle of Red Hot Chili Peppers, and they have quite the catalog. It's been a long time since we did a soundtrack. It almost doesn't feel like a theme anymore. If it sounds like I'm stalling, I am just a little bit because we are at Nostalgia Brewing uh, doing a couple podcasts tonight. Um, the beer tastes good. The evening is absolutely lovely. I don't. We were worried about the wind outside yeah, here. No wind now. But I don't think the wind is going to be a problem. But what I realized is, oh, man. No internets this far from, and I didn't ask for a password because I was oh. kind of prepared to like not have, uh, not have internet here. Uh-huh. But then I had to take, um, I had to take a couple screenshots of some web pages some that I needed. Good old screenshots. <laughs> and I just realized that I didn't have those screenshots prepared yet. But now I have them here. Um, these are important because they're one of the, uh, I don't know, fun ways we start these. So we've gone through. Gosh, how many Chili's albums have we gone through now? Four, Self-titled, five. Freaky Styly, uh, Uplift Mofo Party Plan. Uh, uh, what, what's fourth? Mother's, Mother's Milk? Milk? Is yep. it fourth? Okay, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. And that one posted today as we're recording this. So the next thing we're looking at, um, the next thing we're going to look at is a little album called One Hot Minute. And what we've been doing is revealing other popular things during the uh, for the on the same date, the same release date as the album we're going over. Give so us the facts. I will give you the facts. So one hot minute. That was a long-winded way to get to September twelfth. September twelfth. Never forget. Nineteen ninety-five uh, was the release of one hot minute, and we're looking at. The number one song. I've actually talked to you about this song before. I, I don't remember if you've said you've never heard it before. The number one song that day was Gangster's Paradise. You know that mm, song? No. Oh, my gosh. It's by? Coolio. Oh, and maybe. El- featuring LV. One of the funniest bits I ever saw on the show, I Love the 90s. Do you remember I Love the 90s or I Love the 80s on VH1? No. Oh, my gosh. They, so there was one. I wish I could remember the book. It might not. They might not have even referenced the specific book. But if, if you've seen the, you're gonna have to watch the um, Gangsters Paradise video because in the video, uh, the Coolio does his rap, mm-hmm. and then LV does the been spending most our lives living in the Gangsters Paradise, and it's this big sweaty black guy, like in with a bunch of like dry ice and 
you know, fog yeah. and like there's no light. You just see the side of his face. Mm. And it's important that he's a larger gentleman because he has these real cute puffy cheeks. <laughs> and so and and like they're so round and his lips are like sticking out because the shots in profile. The one of the people on I Love the Nineties was like and whenever L V showed up in the video, it just reminded me of the characterizations of like wind from children's books <laughs> and that is what it looks like oh i see yeah he's like it's so funny <laughs> that's that is pretty good um so it was it's true that is what he he looked like but oh my god that song is so good you you should watch the video both to see what lv looks like and to be like damn <laughs> this song's good Everything. normally we do number one album last of these but the number one album during on that date was also the Dangerous Mind soundtrack, which was the song that that was from. So soundtracks we found soundtracks were a lot seemed to me to be a lot bigger in, the in 90s. like the late yeah. '80s, early '90s because we've already mentioned the Batman soundtrack, which mm. was Prince. Um, the Dangerous Mind soundtrack, Ghostbusters soundtrack has made multiple appearances yeah. in our in our th- this day in history. So um, pretty, uh, I don't know, surprising. Okay, I think we, I think we talked about this in prep for this. The su- the song, the number one mainstream rock song that day was by a song called Brother Kane, and mm. the song was called "And Fools Shine On." Have we talked about this? No, I think maybe I, Brother Kane, or is that the name of the song or the band? That's the band. Yeah, maybe that. Okay, I don't know if we. Ta- I know I at least talked about it to my coworkers, because mm-hmm. um, I always joke about my wife. What, what she'll always say like I've never heard that song before and it'll be like you know the Ghostbusters theme song yeah. it's something like clearly you've heard it at uh-huh. some p- no I can understand you haven't heard it a lot and you have no recollection of hearing it but I refuse to believe that you've never heard my girl or whatever yeah um, even if it was just by accident but this number one song on September 12th 1995 I swear to God I've never heard it before oh um, so we I YouTubed in Fools Shine On it is definitely a 1995 like grungish tune. I would put it somewhere between, like, uh, I would. It's a little harder than like Dishwalla, the uh-huh. Counting Blue Cars, but it's a little lighter than something like like Alice in Chains. Oh, or, way lighter yeah. than that. I, I I think I could narrow it down even more. It's a little lighter than like Fuel. You know, Fuel has ballads. Mm-hmm. But but some of their songs like rock pretty hard. Yeah, I'd put it somewhere in the middle there. I don't know, but the song is not bad. Yeah, you, you might want to check out Brother Kane. Dude, try this beer by the way. Oh, what is it? Uh, you would like it. It's like part ginger beer. Hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Has that like? Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. What is it? It tastes good. What's it's it like called? a saison or something with like oh, yeah. ginger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's good. I have the dog pound, yeah. which is their like brown, brown ale. What do you think about that um, game there, dude? The Browns. Like I, I know it's bad to talk sports because it really dates the episode. <laughs> like yeah. If, if anybody listens to this in like a year, it won't matter anymore. Even two weeks. But if you're wondering what the Browns are doing right now, they're two and four. And this in this is the year. It's October fifteenth, two thousand nineteen, and leading into this season, the Browns were really supposed to be good. Uh-huh. I had my reservations. I looked at their schedule and I was like, 
Dude, don't they play like the Patriots next yeah. week? Or <laughs> yeah. They're on a bye this week, and then they play the Patriots, who are undefeated at this point. Tom Brady's still playing. And yeah. if this goes, if this podcast, if you're listening to it in 2025, Tom Brady's probably still playing. He's yeah. 47 yeah. years old now. Um, he, uh, not he, the Browns, you know, every they're the darlings of the media going into the season because yeah. they got Odell, Be- Odell Beckham. And I was like seven and nine, eight and eight. Like, and granted, Cleveland fans like to keep their expectations low, but I mean, they lost. They don't have a great offensive line. Anyway, I didn't mean to get into this whole thing. Yeah. It sucked. They they should Dude. have smashed the Seahawks, and they just it was like twenty to six or something like that at the in the yeah. first half. Or and then it was twenty to eighteen before the half because uh, they blew oh, yeah. it. Like, they should have been up 27 to 12 yeah. going into the half. But they elect, with a minute and 12 seconds left, the Browns are at the – they're like first and goal or whatever, going into the end zone. And they run the hurry up. So – and then they end up throwing an interception, and uh, Seattle later goes and scores a touchdown, missed the two-point conversion. So instead of – Potentially, if they if the Browns score a touchdown, which they probably would have if they just run the ball, because Nick Chubb's real good. Yeah. You say twenty-seven to ten going into the half, but instead, or I'm sorry, twenty-seven to twelve, because the uh, Seahawks had twelve. Then, instead of that, because they score a touchdown and miss the two-point conversion, it's twenty to eighteen, which is a big swing. But also, the the reasoning behind that that new head coach Freddie Kitchens gave was he was the reason he went in the hurry up instead of just running down the clock so Seattle couldn't score was he wanted to score a touchdown then stop Seattle and use their timeout so the Browns could score again <laughs> so that the <laughs> they were hoping for a 34 to 10 <laughs> halftime score uh, I I laugh because it makes me ahead. so sad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> um yeah. Just get it all out, man. Yeah. So wh- how did we get there? Dog pound. You're drinking dog. Dog pound. Yeah. Drinking the dog pound. That's the name of the beer. Um, maybe being outside was a bad idea because I'm really distracted by, like, things and people. Yeah. Um, but anyway. So September 12th, like I said, 1995, that's when One Hot Minute comes out. And that is the album we're talking about today, obviously. So One Hot Minute. Uh change in lineup change in lineup yes so out john frushanti in dave navarro frushanti is we've probably said this before a bit of a strange bird yeah he there's a the media and like journalists i don't mean to say this in like a blaming way i just don't know where this and in, else this information comes from make john frushanti out to be like a little bit I don't want to say crazy, but like the the story is that John was told to join Red Hot Chili Peppers by voices. Those are his like voices told him to join the Chili Peppers. Voices told him to quit. Hmm. Right now. And he talks about like follow, listening to the voices all the time. He has all these voices in his head. I Part of me is just like, that's that's just like your internal monologue, man. That's yeah. you. You're, listening, you're uh-huh. listening to you. You're like... I mean, so maybe one person's voices is just another person's uh, conscience or another person's uh, intuition or whatever. But whatever the reasoning is, uh, he left Red Hot Chili Peppers at their most famous. 
You know, he's yeah, they, they yeah. finish Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and he's like, you know, this is too much, and he just quits. Hmm. Um, they finish uh, a tour date in, I think, Japan that they were doing. Prashanti, like, flies out the, you know, flies home the next day or whatever. And I, I think they canceled their... They tried to fly someone out. They won't say who, but apparently they tried to fly someone out to replace them and couldn't do it. I believe this is the point. In episode one of this series, we mentioned Jack Sherman suing the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I, th- I think I mentioned that he sued them. Their, their guitarist on their first album, at this point, I think, sues the Chili Peppers because they've become so famous. Oh, and so he getting. feels like he is owed money mm. for some reason. But basically, the, the reason I'm mentioning that is because it's just like all this turmoil is surrounding this new guitar player. They go through a lot of auditions. And they end up with Dave Navarro from Jane's Addiction, who to me really feels like I don't know Jane's Addiction that well. And frankly, I only know Chili Peppers as well I do as I do now because we've been mm-hmm. doing these. Like I, I wasn't like a huge Chili Peppers fan, but from what I've heard of Jane's Addiction, that seems like a pretty lateral move to me. Yeah, like m- probably a more Red Hot Chili Peppers are a little more famous, but like. Red Hot Chili Peppers are pretty unique, and yet, I think Jane's Addiction is as similar as you could get, kind of. In you a know, way, yeah. Flea had already done some things like supporting Jane's Addiction. Mm-hmm. He played, I think, he played some trumpet on some of their albums okay. or something like that. So, like, I don't know. It's kind of it makes sense to me, and yet, it ends up like not really working, at mm-hmm. least for the members of the band. You know, uh, see. So D- Dave Navarro is more, I would say, more of a rock guitar player than Frusciante is, where Frusciante is a little funkier, um, which doesn't mean Dave Navarro can't play funk. Mm-hmm. He's just like got a little harder edge H- to him. His approach is a little bit more. Yeah, and everything that the band members talk about when they remem- go back and remember One Hot Minute is they, they call this album dark. Hmm. And I can kind of see it. In a way, yeah. But But it's not like... I think it's heavier, but it's not always brooding. Kind of has like a lot of low end to it. Yeah, you know, like Mother's Milk. It's pretty hard, but there's like a lot of like higher end, mid. Oh, end. I'm really glad you mentioned that. Yeah, because because I think that it's convenient to blame Dave Navarro for that. Mm-hmm. But what I really think it is is, and this is the third Rick Rubin produced album, right? Rick Rubin was on Mother's Milk, right? No, 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 no. 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 That was the uh, that was Finkel and Beinhorn still. Yeah. So Rick, Ru- oh, that car is gonna. Wow, that was really close. <laughs> this again, being distracted <laughs> outside. Wowie, um, they must have one of those rear view camera things. They were really playing. Oh, d- yeah. Um. So anyway, where was I? Oh yeah, Rick Rubin. The. I don't know that I can go quite as far as I'm about to, but I'm I'm going to go there. I think the grunge era influenced the recording of bands that were just barely outside of that circle. Hmm. Maybe more than any other like sound influenced any other recordings. I know that was kind of a mouthful to say, but I guess what I would say is like let's take a band like let's take a uh, an era like the disco era, right? And you've got bands in the 70s like Led Zeppelin 
or whatever. Led Zeppelin's not a great example, I guess, because they're pretty heavy. But take take a band that was like, like Kiss, like Kiss, okay, who have like party elements, like uh-huh. dance. Ele- yeah, I guess dance elements is the wrong way to explain it. But what I'm getting at is they, they came out with a song that kind of fit the uh, mainstream. Exactly, yeah. exactly, right. So, but even then, like that's still like. The recording sounds like a Kiss recording, you know. You might, I, and I, you know, Kiss better than I do. But that you, you're getting to my point, which is, you take other bands that were like kind of popular in the '90s, like late '80s, mid to the mid '90s, and like, but wouldn't call them grunge bands. Like mm-hmm. the Chili Peppers were not a grunge band. Van Halen, not a grunge band. But then you put them in this, like that. Those bands, like. like maintain their fame into the early 90s and all of a sudden their records sound different it's like go ahead i was just like the producers like hey man this is what people want to hear exactly exactly so like the reason i mentioned van halen is because that's when they come out with for unlawful carnal knowledge which has right now which is maybe their most famous uh sammy hagar song because Mm. of the video but they come out with and that song sounds like sort of classic van halen but the recording itself of the whole album is very grungy and a lot of the songs are like grungier songs they don't have those trebles and mids Mm -hmm. like you're talking about with that you heard in earlier van halen albums and earlier chili pepper albums and that's the same thing you see with one hot minute is like the guitars are not like real I i think i called it tinny before and usually i use that as an insult but i kind of like it on mother's milk Mm -hmm. but you can hear the transition from Mother's Milk slightly go that way in Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and then One Hot Minute is someone tried to fit the Red Hot Chili Peppers into the grunge mm-hmm. era. And if you watch the music videos, they, they are kind of like have that darker yeah. edge to them. Totally. You know, the look, anyway. Yeah, like My Friends, yeah. especially, which uh, My Friends is a great example of a song that, like, does not really. I like this song a lot. Does not belong on an earlier or later Chili Peppers album. Mm. It only belongs on One Hot Minute. Um, so, anyway, um, gosh, even even just as we normally what we do is we kind of like roll through the songs. Um, you know, I, I'm not. I don't want to say we're not going to do that, but with it with this album, it's almost like um, it, it it almost feels like. It's so unique in the Chili, Chili Peppers catalog. It's almost, you kind of got to talk about all of it in the context of the other albums, I it's guess. It's definitely one that people forget about. To, which is a shame. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Do you like it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I realize that this is because it's the first Chili Peppers album I owned. It was probably one of the first 10 albums I owned, period. Hmm. Um, but... I like it a lot. Yeah, and the artwork's kind of different from yeah, the rest of the... Yeah, yeah, totally. This is the... I was going to say the same yeah. thing. This is the first one that, like, doesn't feature the band at all. Yeah. There's no pictures of them. I guess Uplift MoFo Party Plan doesn't have them either, but it's the same... Like, uh, colors, you know. Yeah, same. wild colors. Yeah. Like, that... It doesn't feature their personalities. Uh-huh. And maybe that's what they're trying to say is, like, their, their, like, demeanor is different with One Hot Minute, and that's why you have this cartoon, like, almost creepy doll-like picture uh, against a black, like, night sky background. Um, It is weird. The the liner notes are still fun, though. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of, like, it's like they went to Walmart and got family 
photos taken. Oh. Like, and they know that they're being ironic, so it's kind of funny. Um, but it Which is... Which is another grunge thing. Yeah, grunge, you know? true, true. You know, the basic... Uh, yeah. Whatever. Um, there's a lot... A lot of these songs are about Ketis getting through his drug issues again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and about... Um, I think... This also comes just after uh, River Phoenix's death, maybe. Who's that? River. He was an actor, um, oh. and he di- he died of a drug overdose, and he was really good friends with Flea. Hmm. So that might have played. Uh, that might have been before Blood Sugar Sex Magic. I can't remember. Yeah, it's the band's kind of like in like a weird situation. The ba- yes, Frusciante has left them, and is basically seemingly has left them just to take drugs i wonder if this was like part of a contract like they had to do an album oh like so they're like that could be yeah because that's not the kind of thing you'd usually the band wouldn't admit that yeah i sometimes they do Uh but (laughs) like usually after the fact i mean yeah just think like you're getting signed by warner brothers for blood sugar sex magic and you know that's kind of like were they signed for uh, um mother's milk i don't know yeah I would think so, but I don't know. Anyway, um, so what the, I was I was talking about John Frusciante. That that's a depressing situation too, because if they're keeping in contact with him, which apparently they did, mm-hmm. he was just doing heroin and coke constantly. He lost all his teeth. Like all oh, his teeth are fake mu- now. He must have been out somewhere. Yeah, uh, he. You know, at track marks all up his arm. You know, just like a complete mess. Yeah. Um, and that is, you know, they're friends. Like, that's probably uh-huh. depressing for them. I don't know. So, anyway, um, maybe that's why it's a little darker. But there's fun parts, too. It's not like it's yeah, yeah. all depressing. Um, dude, I mean, part of the reason you can't, to me, you can't not like this album is... I was about to I was about to play a song, but it made me think that, again more things that I think need to be addressed beforehand. Dave Navarro comes in, and they go on tour. They record this album, go on tour for it. They never play. Uh, they never end up playing. Oh, what were they? I've got it in my. I thought I could remember from the top of my head, but I can't. Um, they never played one hot minute. The title track. Oh. They never played one hot minute. Tear Jerker, which I love, mm-hmm. and Falling Into Grace, which is the cool, like, talk box song. We'll play that in mm-hmm. a second. But they never play any of those. And after Dave Navarro leaves, they, the only song they ever play live is Aeroplane and P, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yep. They just completely forget about this album, mm-hmm. which what I don't understand, and, and Chad Smith in an interview said, we just don't feel emotionally connected to those songs anymore, which is like a very Red Hot Chili Peppers thing to say. Yeah. Because it's like, do you, I mean, I don't know what their set lists look like. Like maybe they don't play anything off Mother's Milk either, but like, I seriously, I think they do. Yeah. <laughs> I think they do. Like, what? Higher ground. No, no, right. weird like me. Right. Why is it that, what is it about Dave Navarro? That made you feel not emotionally connected to this. Well, dude, it's just like a weird. Um, I think they're just like 
Well, dude, this is, starts to get into the uh, conversation of who's the MVP, you know. Yes. Um, John Frusciante. Um, Which we know, will get into, by the way, next episode. I mean, episode. his riffs really bring out the chili peppers, you know. So, like, I think they were kind of, like, playing with him for a little bit. Maybe they were, like, too... Just, like, the uh, process of, like, writing music, he had that part. And then once that, like, puzzle piece went out, they are like, you know, what do yeah. we what are we able to make of this and yeah but i say that because like you got blood blood sugar sex magic was you know that's in 91 this is in 95 and then californication is in 99 know what i'm saying i got distracted you said californication and then what (laughs) I, i said like when you think of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, yeah. you think of like Blood Sugar Sex Magic, yeah. which is '91, right. and then you think about this. You don't think about this album that happened '95, but then you think about the next one, which yeah. is Californication, which is '99. That's like a ten-year span. It's true. You know, and uh, you know, I can see like. What do you think's the third in the like Mount? Ru- we'll have to do the Mount Rushmore of Red Hot Chili Peppers oh, yeah. albums, but like, what do you think comes in third there? Because I have my, ch- I think I'd I'd say it's Stadium Arcadia. Yeah, definitely. I think that's their like. I actually think that might be their masterpiece of the of all of them. But uh, maybe I might just say that because it's a double disc. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, for some reason, like double discs that are good seem to carry more cachet. <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, you're right. Um, you mentioned riffs, and. I don't know. You said something else that made me think it, it's time but to. Oh, sorry. Go I, ahead. I guess I just want to make myself clear. That's yeah. a long time, like trying to figure out yourself, like as a band, when you're that famous. You know, like yeah. where's this career going to take us? You know, like, right. Good point. I don't know. No, no, no. That's true. That is, yeah. And and they've always been very focused on that. Mm-hmm. Like, where are we gonna? Especially Flea and Anthony Kiedis are yeah. always like how do we keep driving like this aspect of our life? Um, but I've been slowly playing the opener to this album, which is an absolute banger. Crank it. Oh, I, it's, it's about to warp you. song's a banger that song is great is that that phil you were talking talking about that no boom, boom, boom. no but now that you mention it i'm gonna go straight to playing it and then we'll finish uh what i was gonna say it the, the part i was talking about is coming right out of the solo right around three minutes uh i'll let you listen to it and then i'll explain what i'm talking about <laughs> Oh, 
all those uh, I didn't mean to do the hard pause. All those like hard triplets. Yeah. Coming the pow 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 pow. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, dude. Those are sweet. Have you ever heard Chad Smith say anything like he doesn't really love being in the Red Hot Chili Peppers? No. See, my drummer in my high school band used to say that, and I don't know if he was just full of shit, but he kind of said, because I had actually heard him say this about like other bands and their drummers or whatever, but he always said that like Chad Smith didn't really like playing in the Chili Peppers, and it was because he was more of a rock drummer and he wasn't into like as much into the like funk aspect. Yeah, which would make me think he would love playing on this album because it's yeah. so much more rock focused. And this song is a good example. Like, Warped just rules. It rocks so hard. I remember this is one of very few songs that I was introduced to by music video. A lot of my peers were really into MTV, but I I really wasn't. And I remember this album debuting, or this song debuting on MTV and just being like, holy shit, that Um, song rules. It still rules. It's it's uh, good. It's a a good, like, gem, chili pepper gem. It is a... Top 10 Chili Peppers song for me. Maybe Dude, top five. Chad Smith would not be in the Chili Peppers for 30 years if he did not. Oh, yeah. E- yeah, obviously. Maybe like that was like an interview of early Chad Smith where he's like, Maybe. Every band has their feuds, you know? Like, well, and they're, hardly, this shit, you they're know? hardly a funk band now. Yeah. You know, really. Um, they still do a couple funk songs uh-huh. here and there. But, um, but it is interesting. Like, Chad Smith's side projects are like Chicken Foot. Like, yeah. not funk. Uh-huh. Just, like, the straight-up rockiest rock you could ever rock. Yeah. You know? Um, would, not that they don't have soul, but you know what I'm saying. Mm. Um, the the other singles on the album are, are Aeroplane, My Friends. My Friends was the second one, which was really popular, like a really big video, too. Um, Coffee Shop, oddly enough, and Shallow Be That Game, hmm. um, which... Aeroplane, I well, I don't know. You think Aeroplane's the most famous? Definitely. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, so Aer- Aeroplane is the one that. This is weird too. Aeroplane's not on the Greatest Hits album. Really? Yeah. Didn't know that. How many songs are on the Greatest Hits? Uh, more than ten. Oh God! I would. Yeah. Is anything pre Blood Sugar Sex Magic on? <laughs> On there? Uh, I, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, obviously, um, higher ground, but I think that's it. Okay. Well, even if you put 15 songs on their airplanes hard to fit. Yeah. Is anything from One High Minute on the greatest hits? Maybe me and my friends. Yeah, me and my friends. You're, I know oh, what you mean. My friends, my yeah. My friends, yeah. Yeah. That, I was going to say. I don't know, man. Like, I don't think Aeroplane is a top 15 song for me. Oh, yeah. It's okay. But I know it was a really popular video, and I know people, like, feel like this song resonates with them for some reason. The best part, I hate to say it, but the best part is the kids singing at the end. Because <laughs> also the the solo there, I'm going to skip right oh, to yeah. it. The solo there wails. Um, yeah. So little bass solo, little kids going, my airplane, my airplane. But listen to Dave Navarro just tear it up here. (laughs) 
what, what I like about that style of guitar solo is how much he makes. He's not using the wah pedal as just like blindly. He's, he's making the guitar like sing yeah, with it, like, like bending wah, those notes, man. What a wah, what a, what a wah. Um, so that's cool. I just noticed that rhythm guitar in the background too. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I like the like disco beat. Oh yeah. Uh, so this is like a good song for the Chili Peppers. Like, um, it's really good mainstream funk song. Like, it kind of captures all their components. Right. You know, yeah. What they have to offer. Yeah, really. And that, and that is, if you were gonna make an argument for why it should yeah. be on a greatest hits, like that's what it is, I yeah. think. But. But it, for me, it's just not, like, top 15. Um, I think if you were going to do a Greatest Hits and you were going to put songs from One Hot Minute on it, I would prefer Warped, but I can understand yeah, right. why they would put My Friends on here, which is this one. This one was probably the more famous video. I think this one actually did reach number one for a little bit. Real nice video, too. Like, black and white, if I remember. Or at least, like, gray-toned, kind of. Um, like, they're in a boat or some huh. canoe. Anyway, um, that I, I can see why that, if that was on their greatest hits, which obviously I don't have because I would know, but I could I would put that on there from here. Yeah. And I, I guess I could understand why nothing else would be. Um, oh, I thought there was... I'm looking at my singles now. I always thought Walkabout was a single. I guess it's not. Oh, I know that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, the l- let's get the other single out of the way, right? W- or the other two singles. The One of them is, this was the last one, Coffee Shop, which I'm, like, into Coffee Shop. Um, mostly, like, the guitar tones and, like, hmm. the energy of the song. with that song dude so grunge dude <laughs> the, not the verses though you well, know because there's so much like bass stuff going on there yeah well i think the vocals are kind of like it's yeah. just like 
I don't 100%. care what I'm saying. You know. No, totally they are. But that, the delivery of the vocals are, but that's classic Anthony yeah. Kiedis, yeah. like nonsense, yeah. uh-huh. you know. Um, Confucius might have been confusing, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah. So, and then the, the other one was Shallow Be That Game, which, like, this one to me sounds most like Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Um, there's a lot of like funky guitar once it gets going. I, I think like it's that cool. intro. Yeah. Yeah, the intro. There's a lot of cool guitar sounds, mm-hmm. you know. Frushanti's a good, like, guitar sound guy, but um, Frushanti's guitar tricks to me are often a lot more, like, and granted, he's on so many Chili Peppers albums, and Dave Navarro only makes a an appearance on one. Yeah. But, like, John Frushanti's sounds to me are like, oh, he bought this pedal. And he figured out how to like make this sound effect do you know work with a certain thing he's playing or mm-hmm. whatever. Whereas Dave Navarro's stuff to me sounds a lot more like all he ever uses is a wah pedal, some sort of phaser, and a talk box. Yeah, and like he makes cool stuff happen with just those things. Right. Um. You, uh, what I'm saying about Frusciante illustrates a lot in Californication and by the way in mm-hmm. Stadium Arcadium. So we haven't gotten there yet, but like like Dave Navarro does a lot of cool stuff here with like minimal uh minimal input from outside like sound uh sources, I guess is how I'd say it. Like modulation pedals is is what they would be called usually. Yeah. Hmm. Um so anyway, um that covers the singles. I think there's some other like highlights that I think are worth mentioning. Um, Play a walkabout. Yeah, yeah. Uh, walkabout is, let's see here, track eight, which there's no but walkabout. The name of the song describes how this song feels better than any other title I can, I can think of. sounded so much like Anthony Keaton's actually. I was like, oh, I didn't remember. Oh, ho, ho, who's this? 
How's it going? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, this yeah. sounds like if I was going to write a song called Walkabout and I needed a bass line, I'd be like, well, that's it. Uh-huh. This song is... I don't know why I thought it was a single. It, I, I don't really... I don't dislike it, but it's not great. Um, it's okay. Yeah. Did you have something else you wanted to say about it, or just you? No, just like uh, I haven't heard it in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Deep Kick is a, I think, a weird third song because they have, basically, it's almost a full two minutes of. Anthony Kiedis just like talking uh-huh. like it's kind of like a poem but it kind of tells the story of him and Flea like mm. it's semi-autobiographical which is kind of interesting and then it kicks into like a punk funk uh, you know I I wouldn't call it a banger but like it's high energy um, I will play a little bit now I'm gonna skip the talking part but I'm gonna go straight to where they kind of kick in right about here <laughs> Like I said, it's just high energy. It's a romp. It's a high-energy romp. And at the very end, Flea sings this little bit, and then he says, uh, But the butthole surfer said <laughs> It's better to regret something you did Than something you didn't do Oh, see them come, see them go. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's my Flea singing impression, mm-hmm. which is like a cool line. You know, um, and I also at the time didn't know who the butthole surfers were. So oh, I was yeah. like, what are the buttholes? <laughs> what is this guy talking about? Um, but I, I, I feel like as I'm going through these, I'm trying to make a case that this album isn't as bad as everyone thinks it is. It's like it shouldn't be forgotten. Um, Dave Navarro even says he doesn't really like any of these songs. Hmm. And like. He seems to be the well, reason that maybe Chili's I don't. can see why now is like a lot of these songs are like kind of just like a jam, you know. So I don't know like how much effort they put into it musically, so sure. they may not feel like attached to it. Like, ooh, that's loud. Yeah, to like you know all their previous work, you know Navarro's um, work in Jane's Addiction and the yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers. But they're they're probably prouder of a lot of other stuff. But this stuff, you know, it still sounds good. But they just. Maybe I hear put that. less time into it. I hear that. Because, like, a lot of the verses, it's, like, really just Chad and Flea. And Dude, that's a really good point. And then Navarro's, like, just kind of ho- hovering over it. You You're know, right. he's just, like, kind of filling in the space. Maybe it's not that fleshed out. Yeah. Dude, but but then you got the but the little bits they do that work, work yeah. so well. Like, but at this point, they got Rick Rubin. You know, he can make any. True. You know. Good point. But you got, you got. The opening to One Big Mob. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
first of all, that opening rules. Mm-hmm. Second of all, this idea to put, you know what? We're not going to put a guitar solo in this song. We're going to have a real slow section right after the first chorus. It's going to slow to a crawl, and then instead of a guitar solo, we're going to have a crying baby. That's borderline scary. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Halloween. It's October 15th. Um, but I love that. And the reason I love it's grunge, it. grunge, bro. It is so <laughs> grunge. It's so grunge. But, but when I read why Dave Navarro chose that there, I think that's Dave Navarro's nephew or his actually like his brother, mm-hmm. like a really young brother. Um, you know, they had this really slow section in there, and he's like, you know, we had this really rocking, like, start, and then you, you have this really slow, you know, drawn-out middle set, like, instrumental section, like, bridge type thing. It just felt like to solo over that would have been, like, really cheesy, like, 1970s stadium rock. Oh. And he's 100% right about right. that. Yeah. A guitar solo there would have been so cliché. So he was, and, you know, they're kind of looking for something that's different. He's like, I got this recording of my, like, little nephew or whatever crying. And, like, it is so creepy in there. Definitely makes you remember the song. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, it works. It's better than a guitar solo. Yeah. That's a, you, I, I, you can argue whether or not you like the crying baby. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's better than a guitar solo and not just because it's different. It's better than a guitar solo because it's like, holy shit. Yeah, it's like, I kind of feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I get it's not musical, but it it totally fits the feel of that part of the song too. Um, so anyway, again, making my case for many songs on here. Play a P. I yeah that that's the sixth song. This is Flea singing P. there a part you wanted me to get to no it's just cool yeah so this is just the whole song is just fleas singing with just his bass and it's about hom- homophobia basically like assholes like oh you know uh and and flea will kick their ass or whatever for being jerks um but uh it's kind of a it's fun i yeah, guess yeah kind of different i don't know if fun is the right word but they it do fits play on that here. still. Yeah. It, it becomes more and more appropriate probably in our... Mm. Um, there was a lot of uh, fighting against homophobia from the grunge movement. Kurt Cobain was big into that too. Like, you know, I don't want any, you know, frat bros buying my albums. Like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I, I mean it in the stereotypical, you know, no offense, frat bros. Like, Do that just like, I mean, like... Those people coming out of the '80s, where that stuff was like yeah. po- more popular, right? You know. Yep. Yep. Um, Dude, the same thing's going to happen here. 
2021, 2022. Yeah. We're going to have like less of this glam stuff and more of the dark stuff. We'll see. I hope so. We'll see. I hope you're right. Um, speaking of Kurt Cobain. This is Tearjerker. It has a kind of a lengthy intro. I'm going to skip some of it here. Could you turn up the track a little bit, please? Oh, I skipped right to that part, which is good. Can you turn up the track a little bit, please? skip ahead a little bit again just because the chorus is so good that part because i when i was you know 14 in 1995 and he's saying i like your whiskers and the dimple in your chin well when i first hear when i like your whiskers i'm like is this song about a fucking cat (laughs) and then he's like dimple in your chin is this about a guy because it's very much a love song Mm. you know he there is a line in there that he says uh i wanted badly for you to requit my love he says that um but this song's about Kurt Cobain. I did not know that. Hmm. Yeah, um, I didn't either. But, you know, like every band did in the mid-early 90s, they wrote a song about Kurt Cobain when he died. The left on the floor, leaving your body part, is is in reference to Kita seeing a, a photo that was released right at the time of his death where his, like, his legs are just, like, sprawled out on the floor. Mm. Like, and you know how dead people's bodies are sort of unnerving because their muscles don't like hold themselves any like they're just a dead person's legs just like lay flat yeah. i can see why that would be a very affecting uh-huh. image like dude there's no, like, nothing there left on the floor yeah. leaving your body um and then but i can now that i know that it's about kurt Cobain, and he says i like your whiskers and the dimple in your chin the pale blue eyes i can i can almost i don't want to say i know what picture picture of Kurt Cobain he's uh-huh. looking at as he's talking about this but there's one very famous Kurt Cobain picture where he's not not the one with the bug sunglasses but one where it's just his face and it's kind of tilted at like a 45 degree angle and it's right up in his face and all that he has a little more stubble than he, Kurt Yeesh. Cobain usually does yeah. 
and you're and I'm wondering like is that what he's looking at hmm. as he thinks about like writing this song it is a I can't believe that one they never played this song yeah and two that like they're just it's just so forgettable to them um, I think that's a shame because that song is great too uh, it's right up there with Warped for me um are there any other highlights on here that you wanted to talk about? The only ones we haven't talked about are the title track, One Hot Minute. Yeah, let's play a little bit of that. One Hot Minute is cool. Get ready. This one sounds like butcher, pretty sex magic. You know, it does a little. Touch your baby. Yeah. It does a lot. I never noticed that. The guitars are just a little heavier, you know. But that's 1995, you know, not 1991. That's a cool song. Uh, Falling Into Grace is kind of funky. It has a weird... This is the talk box song I was talking about. Good bass line. I like how bouncy it is. Yeah. And then we've already done Shallow Be That Game. And then the last song is Transcending, which is, I think, super underrated as a closing song. Like, this is sweet. Yeah. This is kind of, like, pretty original for that time. Uh-huh. I love, like, how you can hear bait. These like fingers against his bass. Yeah, you know yeah. The I mean? bass sound is so cool. Like everything, the attack yeah. is so clear, and the guitar is the absolute opposite. <laughs> you can't hear any attack, uh-huh. which that juxtaposition is cool. But this, the vocal line is cool. So it does this for a while, and then it, like where it's kind of like the word I guess I would use is like sort of flighty, uh, floating along, and then it, it gets a little heavier around three minutes. That, that's so typical of a 90s, like, last track. You know, we're going to do, like, basically two different songs yeah. at the end. Yeah, yep. Um, but, uh, I mean, the, we so we went actually did end up going through every song. The, the thought I had while listening to this, and I, I sometimes I make too much of an effort to make it, like, a dramatic conclusion. I've got to make sure I say this before we finish the episode. 
I think it is sad, but also really nice. Like we have one hot minute. Like I, I owned it and I've owned it for a long time and I know it better than any other Chili Peppers record I have. And that's great. It's also sad that there there will never be another Chili Peppers album like this. No. You know, like, I think there's a lot of good stuff that they will never do again. And, I mean, it is very of the 90s, so I hesitate to say, like, no one would ever do this album again because it it's not, like, that innovative. But, like, it is still a Chili Peppers album. Like, there's elements of the Chili Peppers in here that, like, no other band would do. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a shame that they're just, like, that they're just content to, like, remove it from. Yeah. Like, how can you say that song about Kurt Cobain, like, they have no emotional attachment to mm. it anymore? Like, I get it. It's been a long time. But, like, but Alice and Chains still play Wood. And, you know, uh, Pearl Jam would still play, uh, you know, crown of thorns or whatever hmm. if, <laughs> um i don't know it's uh yeah so like far behind same thing yeah but candlebox would still play far behind just because th- they're good songs why wouldn't you play them i don't get it oh yeah yeah like what you're saying is like dude when i get it, when i got in, into the ch- the chili peppers i had the whole you know, discography to get into, you know? Yeah. And like this album just seems to be forgotten about. Like, yep. I completely skipped. You know, they went on, like, I always thought they like, weren't a band for 10 years. And then there was this album, like, and I was like, Oh, dude, yeah. that's really funny. You say that because, yeah. because it felt like when Californication came out, it felt like they hadn't been a band for 10 years. Yeah. Um, so we'll definitely talk about that. But go on. Say what you were saying. It, yeah. It's, I mean, it's just like kind of hidden. They don't, they talk about this stuff rather. They talk about like the first three albums more than they talk about this album. It yep. seems like so. Yeah. It sucks. Cause I think this album is, is really good. Yeah. I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's a really weak song on here. I like it a lot better than some of the other ones we've covered. And and I don't think there's like a gimmick to it. Right. Either. Um, you know, like Californication is supposed to be like this hippie kind of esque yeah. kind of thing, like yeah. that artwork. You know, you got like the sunsets in the pool. And the I pool love is, that artwork though. And then like Blood Sugar Sex Magic. You know, that looks pretty sweet. And yeah. then all the ones before that look, you know, they grab your attention. But sure. this one just kind of looks kind of odd. True. True. Yeah. So anyway, that's one hot minute, which usually brings us to our cover cut hidden gem. Uh, the, do you know what you'd cover out of these? Uh, definitely Aeroplane. Really? Well, I would we like to cover it. Warped, but that's going to be my favorite gem. Uh, my, that's not a gem. It's a single. Oh, is it? Yeah. So you can cover it because that's what I'd cover. I'd yeah, cover Warped. Yeah, I'd cover Warped too. Yeah. Uh, what, do you have a cut? What would you cut? I don't know. I'll tell you what I'd cut. I, I'd cut Falling Into Grace. That's the one that has the talk box at the beginning. And it bugs me. There's in the chorus. There's a female singer, kind of doing harmonies, but Anthony Kiedis is like obviously purposely not really harmonizing with her. It's almost like uh-huh. a talk. I, I just don't care for it. Um, 
Yeah, that song really doesn't have like any, um, except for the talk box. Any, yeah, like, sort of. There's not a real great hook. Yeah, it's funky, but it's almost like it's trying too hard to be funky. Uh-huh. You kind of described it as being bouncy, and it is, yeah. but it's almost like a bit. They're laying it on kind of thick, and I just really like pretty much every other song. Uh-huh. Deep Kick would be my second choice for like maybe a cut, but, um, and I know people might argue for P, but. P deserves a place on Definitely. There. That's my fi- hidden gem. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, if Warped is a single. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd cut Falling Into Grace. Um, my hidden gem, to go through the singles again, Warped, Aeroplane, My Friends, Coffee Shop, which would definitely maybe be uh, my hidden gem if it weren't a single. And then uh, Shallow Be That Game, which is another good one. I think that means my hidden gem is One Big Mob. Hmm. Oh, that's a good one. one. The the rhythm in that song. But I love Tearjerker, too. No, it's Tearjerker. I actually, when I decided these, I hadn't checked on what the singles were, and I had thought Tearjerker was a single. Oh, really? But it's not. Hmm. So that's my hidden gem. That song's great. So, anyway, that, now that we've done that, that wraps up one hot minute. Did you, oh my God. We didn't tell anyone to subscribe, rate, review. So do that. If you've gotten this far, you owe it to us to subscribe right now. Or owe it to yourself. Yeah, you owe it to yourself also to subscribe. Then rate, five stars only. Then review. Review something good. We can't check the internet right now. Is Nickelback. (laughs) The next album will not be Nickelback. The next (laughs) album will be Californication. Nickelback coming down the road. Sam? Yeah, what? Two young boys go into the liquor store where they sold their soul. And I got a story. A story it once was told. Two young boys go into the liquor store where they sold their soul. Hey, yeah. I got a story A story once was sold Two young boys go into the liquor store Where they sold their souls I got a story A story once was sold Two young boys go into the liquor store they sold their souls Hey, yeah Oh, wow, wow, wow